Welcome to the HDFS Careers Podcast, the podcast featuring informal conversations with family science majors about their professional journeys. My name is Erica Jordan. Today, I'll be sharing my interview with Amanda Moore. I reached out to the faculty and advisors in the Child and Family Development Program at San Diego State University. Faculty member Brianna Bashawwood kindly recommended Amanda. Thanks for the response and recommendation. Amanda is an associate therapist at Grow Through Life Counseling, a group private practice providing mental health care to children and adolescents. She is also a music and fitness teacher at San Carlos Preschool, and she is a member of the California Association for Play Therapy, where she is actually the president-elect of the San Diego branch. Amanda earned a master's degree in early childhood mental health from San Diego State University. She also holds a graduate certificate as an early childhood social-emotional behavior regulation intervention specialist from San Diego State University, and she has a bachelor's degree in child and family development specializing in trauma-informed care from San Diego State University, California State University. In this episode, she discusses how she found the field of HDFS and her professional experiences to date. As is true for all interviewees on this podcast, Amanda's views are her own as a private citizen and do not reflect the views of her current, former, or future employers. Without further ado, here is her interview. Well, welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Hi, happy happy to be here. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm so excited to share your story and your professional journey with students across the country who are um, in the field and might may be interested in what you're doing. Can you first tell me a little bit about how you first found the field of HDFS? I know that you hold a bachelor's degree in child and family development among your other credentials, um, but how did you first find entry into the field? Yeah, so I had always worked with young children. Um, part of that is I just always had a kind of calling to want to be around kids. My personality is, isn't that far from a child's personality. Just always very uh, positive, bubbly, silly, playful. Um, and so I was always drawn to that type of stuff. Growing up, I grew up uh, going to church. And with that, you're kind of just kind of forced into <laughs> Sunday school and youth ministries and, and working with, with younger, younger kids. And so with that, I had experience. And as I continued to grow, I started working uh, at my local YMCA, doing after school programs, summer camps, and it kind of snowballed from there. I felt I always felt very comfortable working with uh, young kids. That's awesome. And you're right. Yes, you are just kind of, um, <laughs> uh, you're tossed. I had the same experience growing up at my church. Okay. So, so you always loved working with kids. You sort of found yourself in these environments anyway. Um, and so um, you thought you would pursue this when you got to college. Yes, exactly. And through that, I actually first went to uh, community college out here in San Diego. And then from there, I was able to kind of take the courses, which I really enjoyed at, our, at the community college I went to, which is uh, Grossmont Community College. It was a lot of classes that were very much um, hands-on, um, a lot of like working like directly with kids, things like that. And so I took a lot of what I learned um, at the community college and was able to use it yeah, throughout the rest of my the rest of my career and from there I was able to uh, transfer to San Diego State to get my um, uh, and at San Diego State it's a child and family uh, degree. Okay and so what was the um, I guess program that you were in at the community college? I guess you got your associate's degree there? Uh, not quite I wasn't able I did not get my associates but I was able to take the classes needed to uh, transfer to San Diego State. Okay okay I see. 
But yeah, you were able to do a lot of hands-on. That's really cool. Yeah, when you have when you were able to have that aspect of the course, not just learning from the book and the lectures, but also you can do a lot of hands-on work with kids. That's always neat. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so tell me what your first classes were like, um, or what they don't even have to be your first classes. Tell me what your experience was like in the child and family development program at San Diego State University. Well, I loved it. Um, I was actually someone who always uh, struggled in school with things, um, you know, like math and science and, and, and various things like that. And so community college was, uh, that part was actually kind of tricky for me getting those classes. And then once I went to San Diego State and it was mostly all of my major classes, I just felt so much more comfortable. Um, I felt, you know, more capable too. And like, oh, I, I know this. And yeah, it was just really nice to be able to take these classes and kind of break everything down, like learning about um, early childhood and middle childhood and later childhood and taking classes specifically on working with kids with special needs and working with uh, kids with different, um, all the different like cultural implications, things like that were all classes I was able to take at San Diego State. It is really nice to be able to immerse yourself in the, immerse yourself in those different stages um, and, and learn about them in depth. Okay, so what else, tell me a little bit more about your college experience. Were you able to just go to class or did you do other things while you were in school? Did you work? Did you, um, I don't know, volunteer? Were you any, in any organizations? Just what else were you doing outside of classes? Yeah, so I was able to, um, I lived at home when I went to San Diego State, uh, born and raised in San Diego, and so it was very nice to have these um, schools, and especially San Diego State is actually known for their early childhood, their um, child and family program, and so that really, really worked out. Uh, while I was in school, I did a lot of, um, I, I worked a lot. Um, at one point in school, I had four different jobs. I'm very much like doing little things here and there. Uh, mostly I worked at the YMCA, so doing after school programs, summer camps. Um, from there, I worked at the, um, at the child watch program. So watching the kids while their parents worked out and just kind of moving up from there. I also uh, was a professional um, party princess and oh. children's oh. entertainer for parties that I also did while I was in school. So any, yeah, any job that had to do with kids and being silly and playing with them, I was, I was all about it. Really cool. Um, so you're still getting these experiences with children hands-on while you're um, taking your classes. Um, did you have any, were you involved in any organizations or clubs or anything like that on campus? You know, not in my undergrad. It wasn't until I got to my to my graduate and I was able to kind of pinpoint on what exactly I wanted to do with kids was when I started kind of fine tuning everything. Because at this point, my my goal was to become a just become a preschool teacher, which you know is is amazing. But as I you know started to do all these other jobs, I like felt the the calling to do a, do a little bit uh, do a little bit more. Okay. Okay, so tell me about as you're nearing the end of your bachelor's degree program, um, you're preparing for graduation, what are your plans? And then what do you actually end up doing right after graduation? So uh, right after graduation, I, yeah, I was definitely 
wondering what I should do at this point. Yeah, I had, I had various jobs. I was working a little bit at the YMCA doing um, some parties, but then I also got into doing um, music and movement. And so I was a traveling music and movement instructor going to different preschools around San Diego County and teaching a 45 minute class. It was structured um, to a theme, something like that. So if we were talking about feelings, we might, you know, um, do like a regulation exercise. So shaking a maraca when we're feeling really mad and then like going a little bit lighter when we're feeling happy, uh, using these different materials, using these different songs to express ourselves. And that was a weekly, weekly job for me. Um, and then with that, I was able to meet a bunch of different types of kids. And what I noticed is when I would go to these schools, I had kids that were like on my roster, but I would also accept kids um, as visitors. And a lot of the teachers would say, oh no, so-and-so can't visit because they were behaving badly or so-and-so can't visit because they're quote, the bad child, very triggering for me. Um, you know, I would then uh, advocate for these students and say, oh no, they can join my class. And I noticed that when they were joining my class, when they were able to express themselves, especially through music, that they weren't displaying some of these behaviors that the teachers had talked about. And from and with that, I was kind of seeing how important it was to not only yeah, express yourself through movement and through music, but also have someone there that believes in you and is able to talk to you in a way that you know can help regulate your emotions. And with that, I started kind of investigating therapy for children. What, what does mental health look like? And more, and not on the side of like this kind of behavioral approach, but more on the, the questioning why, why are the kids acting this way? Trying to dig deeper uh, into that. And that really, um, yeah, that, that really fascinated me. And from there, there is a program called, um, it's a very long name, Early Childhood Social Emotional Behavior Regulatory Intervention Specialist, ECC Burst Program that was at San Diego State um, that you could take right after graduation as a one-year certificate program that specialized yeah, in working with kids that either had disabilities or needed um, behavior management or help regulation their emotions. And I thought it was perfect. So I was able to apply for that. And I went straight from getting my bachelor's to going into that program in the fall. That is so cool. Yeah, you notice this while you're working um, as a uh, while you're working with the movement, music and movement company. And um, you notice like, yeah, I'm seeing this behavioral difference in when they're with me and able to express themselves. And then you were able to find the certificate program right there in your backyard um, that directly spoke to some of the things that you were that you were saying so tell me a little bit about this music and movement is that a is that a company called music and movement um, you know is is it only in the San Diego area is it national uh, so yes this this program is actually it was formerly known as we dance um, and then it became uh, motion and me and it was a very small program it was just based out of San Diego and actually the owner uh, a woman named Laura Langston is a uh, play therapist she she became she went through the mental health field as well uh, in out of Connecticut and I found the program actually when I was uh, helping out at a different preschool. Uh, I was kind of feeling the the burnout a little bit of working multiple jobs and or working like long hours. And I saw this person kind of come in and they were silly and bubbly and they came with 
yeah, streamers and bean bags and all sorts of fun stuff. And I was like, oh, I want to, I want to do that. That's, that's my speed. Um, and yeah, and, every, and reaching out to them and being able to yeah, be around these women who just have this like playful energy was so nice and had this background in being able to, yeah, to approach children and talk to children in a matter that, that regulated them, that calmed them. Um, yeah. just this, this attunement with children, um, I felt was, uh, yeah, it was very powerful. That's so cool. And so, and you mentioned, you said, yeah, labeling a child as the bad child is very triggering for you. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, I just, I don't believe that that is the case. And it's just kind of an easy cop out to say like, oh, they're, they're bad. They behave badly. They can't handle these things. And with that, you know, let's like make modifications. But I, because of my um, education and the way I feel, I feel like that this pre- that preventative measures is so important. Having that awareness is so important that if you think that, you know, if you feel a child's gonna struggle with this, then, you know, change it up. Why, why are they struggling, though the why practice, why are they struggling with this? Uh, investigate what you can do um, as a teacher, as the instructor to make them feel, you know, a little bit more comfortable. And I really felt like when you took the time um, to really investigate and again, really attune and, and be there with the child that you would see the behaviors decrease, or at least you would understand why it's happening. You're like, oh, it's, you know, this transition right before is really hard for them. Let's see if we can, you know, change things around. Yes, that makes so much sense. It's really insightful and um, it can be hard to do in the moment, but yes, taking that time to pause and not just have this knee jerk reaction um, so that you can really try and understand things from the child's perspective. Um, is so important. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, about the, uh, <laughs> rejecting those labels. Um, okay. So you complete this certificate program and then tell me what's your next step after that. Yeah. So while I was in the certificate program, I actually had to have a job because before this I was working um, multiple jobs, but very little hours um, to be able to make it all fit. I had to have a job where I worked, I think, at least 20 hours a week because I needed it for my program. I needed to have um, a, a job where I could record myself. And you know, it was it was part of the program to be to be somewhere like this. Mm-hmm. I knew someone who worked at a preschool, um, San Carlos Preschool, shout out. Uh, and they were, at that, that preschool, they have a music and fitness program. So it is a very big preschool and similar to an elementary school where you might go to the, you know, see the PE teacher and do PE. That's what I was. And so I, uh, every Monday and Tuesday, I taught music for 20 minutes. Uh, and then uh, Thursday, Friday, I taught fitness and in music, we did sing-along songs. Uh, we would use different materials or scarves or streamers, you know, depending with the theme. And then for Thursday, Friday, we would do obstacle courses and large muscle activities. It was very like uh, ninja warrior status. And it is, yeah, so, so much fun. And so while I was doing my program, I was able to kind of yeah, do that and, and kind of hone my skills a little bit more like working with the, the preschool population. That's really funny. Ninja, Ninja warrior. <laughs> that does sound like a lot of fun. I'm sure the kids were thrilled when they knew that they got to come and visit you during that time period. Um, and so, and it's part of your, part of your certificate program. Um, you were logging these hours and 
videotaping. So tell me a little bit about uh, the recording process and kind of um, what you all would do with the recordings. Yeah, so the recording process was interesting. If anyone's had to record themselves before, they know it's, it's, it's a little nerve wracking. But I, yeah, I would record myself um, giving these lessons. And little did I know I was, you know, kind of conducting these kind of group therapy lessons, having the kids, you know, work together, regulate their emotions. For example, if we were working with beanbags, seeing if we can balance it on our heads, can we balance it on different parts of our body? Or we have to move our body slow to be able to do that. Um, you know, let's do a beanbag toss. We're getting a partner working together to be able to, you know, pass it back and forth. Um, so it was interesting. It was interesting recording all of this too and having um, my supervisor at the time, we would have weekly uh, supervisions where we would look through the tape and kind of point out what I, what I see here, what I see there. And yeah, there, there was definitely a lot of uh, growth from that. It sounds like it. So the supervision was one-on-one, -on -one, not a group setting. It was a one-on-one -on -one supervision. It was a one-on-one -on -one supervision, yes. But there was times where we did have, um, we did share our videos with the group. And so that was really interesting to be able to get that, uh, that group feedback. I bet. Okay. Um, yeah, I bet you learned so much about yourself. Yeah, recording yourself is sometimes not fun, but it's always helpful. <laughs> um, it's always insightful um, because I agree. you're able to build on your existing strengths and then any areas that you need to work on, you see them in living color. <laughs> um, okay, so then what is your next step after that? So after my certificate program, um, what I, I could have just stopped there, but uh, <laughs> it's like, let's keep going. Uh, there was a program at, well, there still is a program at San Diego State, um, the LPCC program. So that is a licensed professional clinical counselor, similar to an MFT with marriage and family therapist or an LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker. They're all kind of do very similar things, but this program was specific to early childhood mental health. And that's my thing. So I was able to transfer into that program, again, all straight, going, going, going right into the other. I was able to transfer into that program and start a two-year, yeah, a two-year program going just towards mental health. And that was a, a little bit different because, again, on the fence, I was very much you know, I, I wanted to work with preschool and I wanted to, to do to do this and that. But as I went through my certificate program and I started working at the preschool, again, I, I loved it. I loved it. But I just knew that I wanted to do more and I wanted to take that extra step and really be able to kind of help some of these children that are struggling and get some of the um, yeah, just get some of the uh, the guidance and the education on that. So I, I went. Yeah, I went into the into the master's program from there. That sounds great. And so tell me about your experience with that master's program. Yeah, I see that you're taking a little bit of a pivot, taking that passion of early childhood, um, but, you know, still building on some of the things that you've noticed and, and delving more deeply into the healthcare aspect. Um, so anyway, tell me all about your experience in that program. Well, I, I loved the program. Um, it was a, it was relatively new. We were only the third graduating class from that program um, when, we, when we did graduate. 
And I love that it was directed towards early childhood, um, that all the classes like very much kind of had that, that theme because at that point I had done enough research that I knew I wanted to be a, uh, a play therapist. And that was, my, that was my end goal. And this was the way, the way to get to it. My program also was amazing because it was very small. We only had 15 people in our cohort. We had some amazing professors. And with that, we were able to just drum up a lot of um, really good discussion discussion. Um, soon we started doing role plays, which were very scary. You know, we we're like, no, no one wants to be the therapist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was such an amazing, uh, amazing, amazing program. And what's so awesome is I'm actually still very good friends with a bunch of the people who are in the program to this day. And we all keep in touch and to kind of see Though we are all in the same program and all want to work with kids, what we do now is very different. Still, it's just different avenues of what we of what you can do with this degree. And that is the, really the amazing part. It's how many different directions you can go, kind of based on your own interest and your own experience that you obtain. Um, you know, even at it seems really specific. It's more specific than a more general mental health degree. You know, this early childhood mental health program. Um, but even within that, it's, it's so cool that people have gone many different directions. Um, okay, so tell me about the direction you decided to pursue after your master's. Yeah, so after, um, after the master's and while I was getting my master's done, I was doing... Um, uh, I was helping out at a, um, a school and being able to get some um, inform, uh, some practice there. Also uh, helping out at a, uh, or, you know, um, doing some of my hours at a group private practice and getting some experience there. But I knew I wanted to yeah, be a, be a play therapist. And so after I got my master's, I was able to get my um, associate number. For a little bit of background on that, you, once you get your associate number for an LPCC, you have to accumulate 3,000 hours of uh, working, yeah, doing direct care, uh, progress notes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It is a lot. I'm actually still in the process of getting all these hours, but I'm at 2,800. So. Whoa, yay. And once you get these hours, you will become a licensed therapist. So right now I'm an associate therapist, but I was able to... Um, get a job at a group private practice and yeah, just kind of start honing in on some of those skills of working with children and teens. Well, congrats on being so close to getting your hours fulfilled. Yeah, I think a lot of, it's helpful to hear these journeys because I think a lot of students don't realize, you know, um, the full extent of the process. You know, it's not like you just go get the degree and it's a checkbox. You have to, if, if you're going to be providing therapy, there are other steps that you have to go through with the state and with the hours. So, and so oh, yeah, and, it's, and it is definitely a process. And maybe if I would have known that, <laughs> I'd been a little bit more hesitant when I started my journey back in my bachelor's. But uh, yeah, again, I, I think it is, I, I feel like it is so, it is so, so worth it. Um, to do to do this process and I even had my supervisor tell me when I was a little hesitant back in my um, graduate degree or right before I took my graduate degree saying like oh I don't know I'll be this age and you know I'm not sure and she was like well what age will you be in three years I'm like the same and she was like and you know will you you know the time is going to pass anyways and you might as well take take the opportunity and, and go with it Absolutely. Time flies anyway. It goes by anyway. 
um, and now the time will be passing and you have your master's degree and you almost have your hours completed. Exactly. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your daily life working as an associate therapist. Yeah. So my, I have, um, you know, uh, various clients that I see um, because of what I do in my specialty. I work mainly with, um, you know, children and adolescents. It's interesting for the longest time my experience with was with just children, especially young children. And when I started working here, they're like, well, the need is teens. And that was scary, but I am finding that I love it. And I actually feel that my you know, silliness, playfulness is pretty refreshing to the teens. Um, I, I feel that my, yeah, just my presence kind of gets gets them feeling comfortable and, and able to open up a little bit. Um, so I'm, a, I usually see about uh, six to four or four to six clients um, a day and at a group private practice, it's, you're kind of your own boss. We, because we, um, do work in a group, we do have someone who um, helps out with billing and intakes, which is awesome. But yeah, the, the scheduling and all that kind of stuff is is on me. So okay. I have a client come in, we do our session, my session, my uh, therapy room is very uh, play oriented, I have things, you know, to color and do art, I also have make believe and imaginary um, sensory items, things like that. I very much want people to come into my um, office and feel yeah, comfortable and feel like that they can kind of express themselves how, however they want to. That is so great. Yeah. I feel like teens would terrify me as well. And so <laughs> it's so refreshing to hear that you've been able to use that skill set and apply it um, with working with adolescents and um, really make a connection with them. And I can just, I, you know, I, I, I can only imagine how fun your office must be <laughs> um, to look at. It must be really kind of a refreshing and inviting place. Um, do you want to talk about um, maybe about some of the types of clients you typically see or the types of issues that you typically work with or that you've worked with to date? Yeah. So when I, um, some of the different clients that I see is a lot having to do with anxiety and emotion mm -hmm. regulation and things of that nature. And so it's a lot of um, teaching mindfulness. It's a lot of teaching um, coping skills, but again, in a and I, I try to do it in a in a playful way. If we're having trouble, you know, um, honing in on our anger, thinking about ways that we can calm our body down, these pre these preventative things. And with that, I'll bring in, um, yeah, bubbles, uh, <laughs> balloons, different different things that kind of provide that mindfulness, but in just a more um, play based way. I also really like to be child led. Or client led, and so when the um, client or child comes in, I can, I let them kind of tell me what they want to do that day. I'll obviously I'll have an idea. I'm very much of a planner, but I kind of let them lead, and I'll follow and kind of examine or like observe and see what yeah what they need from me, what kind of support I can give. That's great. And so typically, um, how long roughly? do you all work with the clients? Um, what's the, I guess there might not be an average, but if there's some sort of average span of uh, treatment, what would you say? How long? Yeah, the average uh, span of treatment, I would say is probably three to four months, but it can be longer. I've It, it could definitely depends on what the client is coming in for. And um, 
And yeah, and then just kind of that, that relationship. I've also had teen clients where, you know, a lot of their goals have been met, but they have expressed to me, they just like coming in because they feel that they, they, it's a safe place. I, as very much, especially with my teens approach therapy is this is a place where no one's going to get mad at you about anything. You can talk to me and, you know, obviously talking about like the confidentiality piece and the, what you say stays between us, but um, especially with teens, I feel like they really, really appreciate that they have a safe space to express themselves, especially with this whole year. Um, who knew that, you know, this pandemic was going to happen and all of these kids and teens, um, you know, going through it, doing online school, it's been hard on all of us and, and especially, especially for the, for the kids and teens. Oh, yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, um, that's a great point. Uh, this pandemic has added a, a whole nother layer on top of typical um, adolescent challenges and challenges for kids, challenges for all of us. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay, so now while you've been working at this private practice, you've also, um, oh, you mean it's a group private practice, but you t- do you typically see the um, clients one-on-one? I do. So yeah, it's a group private practice and just that there's other therapists that are that are working kind of under the same roof. Um, but I do see the clients one on one. Of course, when you're working with um, youngers or minors, uh, the parents are going to be involved. And so oftentimes, um, the parents may not be present for every session, but I'll have them come in and do and do check ins and of course have that conversation with them. Um, yeah, you can't expect to work in um, the field of children and teens if you're not, if you're not planning on working with the families. They, they it's a package deal. Um, so yeah, and that's also been kind of something to navigate to. How much do I want the parents to be involved? Keeping the confidentiality of the child um, has been, you know, kind of a, a challenge, but one that um, I feel like I've gotten a, a good spot in. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, no matter where you're working. And some people would say that working with the parents is actually the bigger challenge in some cases. <laughs> um, that's a great point. You have to be prepared to work, work with the, all aspects. Okay. Now during this, you've also been uh, continuing to work for San Carlos preschool. Is that correct? Yes. And so it's been really amazing during, um, unfortunately, during the pandemic, what I did before the music and fun and fitness had to be on a hiatus, um, you know, just for COVID restrictions, I couldn't be the common denominator and seeing all of these different kids. And so because of that, I've kind of taken um, a step back and have just subbing, um, but still very much involved. I love, I love, love, love the school. I love to be a part of it. And um, I'm hoping that that could be a role that I step into again, um, you know, come fall or in the future, being able to get that um, music and fitness because yeah, I just, I, I just love it so much being able to work with um, those kids and families. I hope so too. Yeah. Hopefully things are looking up. We, we see a lot of vaccines coming out. So hopefully um, um, things will be much better soon. Fingers crossed. Um, Okay, so tell me a little bit about, you mentioned that um, you also are currently pursuing your play therapy certification and you're involved in um, also an association related to play therapy. So tell me a little bit about that. I am, yes. It's part of that journey, all the, all the hurdles you guys got, you got to jump over. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it's, it is completely worth it. And it's something I try to tell myself because, you know, so much of the time I'm like, oh, I'm not, 
you know, legit enough because I'm, I don't have this, or I'm not, you know, good enough because I don't have this. And to try to remind myself to not minimize my accomplishments and to, you know, be excited about the journey. It, it's again, it goes by so, so fast. And this is where you can kind of learn and soak everything up. Um, but when I first graduated from my program, I was, I want to be a play therapist. How do I do that? <laughs> and so uh, I was able to, uh, through UCSD, uh, again, I'm, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so grateful and, and blessed that there's so much stuff that's in my own backyard. Um, but through UCSD, they have classes to be certified as a play therapist. And so uh, this is uh, one Saturday, um, usually a month, they have a class that I actually took one this past Saturday that worked with uh, working with kids um, in group settings. I have one in two weeks that's working with kids uh, with attachment disorders. It's all very, very interesting, but um, I have to I believe it's about 22 courses along with some additional supervision um, led by a, uh, uh, a registered play therapist supervisor. And with that, I would be able to call myself a registered play therapist. Right now, I, I do do play therapy. I perform play therapy, but I can't say that I am a play therapist until I get registered. So I'm in the process, process of doing that. And it's really exciting. And with my um, uh, association I'm a part of, that was another thing. It's like, I want to be a play therapist. How do I do that? <laughs> How do I meet the people that I need to meet? Um, and I knew that they were holding a, I, or I saw that they were holding a um, conference uh, last spring. And with that, I was able to attend and I saw these, you know, happy, playful people in blue shirts, um, you know, leading the conference. And I went up to one and I was like, hey, I, I'm Amanda, I, I wanna be in this field, I'm passionate about this field, how do I get involved? And they were like, oh, you can be a volunteer for sure. And I volunteered a little bit and from that I uh, moved in as secretary of the Association of Play Therapists, the San Diego branch, and now I'm the uh, president-elect and next year I will be the president of the Association for Play Therapy for the San Diego branch. It's pretty It's pretty exciting. It's definitely you know putting yourself out there, seeing, uh, yeah, who you need to talk to, where you need to be. Look at you, Amanda. That is awesome. <laughs> you just literally walked into the conference and got involved. I mean, this is exactly what we try and encourage students to do and new professionals to do as well. Um, like you said, it's all about putting yourself out there and kind of making connections, building relationships. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of looking at even in your case, you've been able to find so much in your own backyard and you know, move from volunteer to secretary to president-elect and soon to be president um, of this organization on your journey to becoming a registered play therapist. Um, I think that that is just so great. I mean, you always seem to keep your eyes out for opportunities and, um, and make the most of um, the opportunities that are presented, you know, um, rather than just letting them pass you by. So congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, if, if I was to give anyone some advice going into it, I would say, yeah, definitely putting yourself out there and networking. If you know what you want to do, just, yeah, Google different, like, yeah, just, just Google different places, you know, send out blind emails, even with um, We Dance back the traveling music and movement. I saw, I saw their company. I, you know, went to the website, I emailed the director and I was like, Hey, can I be a part of this? 
and that and that's how I kind of got involved. It's very much just this, um, yeah, very like proactive taking taking initiative, and yeah, show people love people who are passionate about stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, showing up, showing your passion, um, people definitely uh, take to that. Yes, we had a, a, a retired faculty member here at the University of Houston who um, used to tell students, show up to your life. And it seems like you definitely have um, embraced, <laughs> embraced that message um, and taken that to heart. Um, so you've kind of moved into um, the final question that I always ask, which is, is there anything that you want to share that I didn't ask? And if you have any advice for students or new professionals, what would it be? You've already given some advice, but if you have other advice, um, that you wanted to share, this is now your open forum. You just say whatever you want, Amanda. <laughs> um, you know, again, then the, I feel like that the networking is so, so important. Actually, my, so my current, um, group private practice job, I was able to get because of somebody I met through that conference. The net, the, again, the networking showing that you know I I am passionate about this field. I am ready. Um, and yeah, with that, I would just yeah encourage anyone if they were interested in a certain you know topic or anything like that to yeah go for it. Investigate what what that looks like. What steps you need to do. To become that, um, I was very big on kind of like kind of manifesting this, but you know, putting it in the work. When I found out what play therapy was, I started following a bunch of um, play therapy forums, and you know, started like kind of looking into what that looks like. I put um, on my uh, on my vanity, um, "You are a play therapist." Um, it, you know, it hasn't happened yet, but it's about to because I'm putting I'm putting in the work to to make that to make that accomplishment happen. Um, but then with that also, you know, I got like, the point I made before, make sure to look around though and, and appreciate your journey and take time because there was so much of my time where I, again, I said that I wasn't, I, I wasn't enough yet because I, I haven't met this credential or because I'm not graduated or because I'm not registered um, and having that imposter syndrome. But, you know, just being being confident and saying like, no, I have done so much to get to this step already. I, you know, I'm so I'm so proud of where I am right now and kind of soaking it in. I love that. I love that you. Yes, you put it out there. You man, manifest it through um, what you say and through what you're doing. I love that you had the post-it note on the vanity. Um, and I also love what you referenced earlier as well about the, you know, like maybe if you would have known how many steps it would have taken, maybe you, maybe it would have been intimidating. <laughs> I say that all the time, but I'll also say what you said as well. You know what, it was worth it though. And I'm glad that, you know, I didn't, sometimes it takes that. Sometimes it takes going little by little and taking the next best step, like taking the next step that is right and in the direction of where you want to be. Um, and it, it might take a few more steps than you initially anticipate, but you're right. If you can kind of um, appreciate where you are at every stage and soak in what you're learning and soak in how you're developing, then it's totally worth it. Oh, extremely. And yeah. And again, and yeah, with that, right. Uh, reaching out to other people. I feel like if you know someone that's in the field that you want to go into, ch yeah, chat with them, see if you can get coffee with them, kind of figure out what the, yeah, what the process looks like. Absolutely. That's always an excellent, excellent tip. Um, 
Well, thank you so much. This has been so enjoyable. I've, I've so enjoyed learning about the different steps in your journey. I am excited for you that you're almost done with those hours and that you just have so many cool things on the horizons. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with me and to share with students. Of course. No, I, I think it's so funny. It goes back to yeah, being able to kind of be a mentor for people who want to get into the field. Um, as we said before, this field, there's so many different avenues that you can go through. And so I think it's amazing that if you are interested in that, in the mental health um, avenue to, yeah, to, to reach out and see, and see what that looks like. Because I, again, I think it is such a rewarding field. There's definitely burnout, um, that can happen. And it's definitely overwhelming. And there's, I, I, there's definitely this imposter syndrome. But it is so it yeah, again, it is so rewarding and being able to walk out of, you know, a successful session where you felt like that there was progress made, or you're able to walk out of a class where the kids were like giggling and having fun and their spirits are high. I mean, there's nothing like it. I, I just get so much joy from being around from being around children. It's so cool to have your work connected to something that brings you joy. Definitely. You know, right. If you don't, if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And even in the beginning of the pandemic, I realized when we were staying home that how much of my um, uh, happiness comes from being around others. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the HDFS Careers Podcast. If you have recommendations for HDFS or other family science alumni to interview, please reach out to me at hdfscareers.com. Don't worry if they're not working in a job that would normally be considered in the field. I'm interested in hearing a variety of stories, especially if they are working outside of academia. If you like this podcast and want other people to be able to find it, please rate it and review it in iTunes or share it on social media. Until next time, keep exploring your future possibilities.